Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and is a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Lee McQueen. Welcome, Lee. Well, morning. Good morning. I've got my coffee. I haven't got my eggs, but I've definitely got my coffee. I've got my coffee as well. I, I feel like a bit of a fraud. It's called coffee, eggs, and inspiration, but I never have eggs. Very seldom. I think I've had eggs in one, uh, but we certainly uh, we certainly <laughs> have inspiration. So Lee is the 2008. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lee is the 2008 winner of the Apprentice, uh, the the show with Lord Sugar, uh, and a, a lifelong entrepreneur. Uh, very interesting background. Started out in catering, actually, at Harrow School went into recruitment, um, did his time at uh, Hayes and Capita. After The Apprentice joined uh, Lord Sugar's company, or their joint company, I suppose, Amscreen, Digital Spinach, and is now on the other side of that with three of his own companies, uh, Raw Talent Agency, Phoenix, and Talent Hub, which is a sort of sub subdivision of uh, Raw Talent Agency, all in the recruitment and talent development space. Uh, also a podcaster, with Love Sport Radio, diehard Tottenham fan, I believe. That's I switched all your viewers off now. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least uh, we'll, we'll keep the Tottenham ones, at least, yeah. Um, fantastic background, very full life. Uh, Lee, tell us a, a little bit about your background. You came from a slightly different um, uh, place into the world of business. Tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, f thank you, Craig, for, for that for that wonderful welcome. I think that the, the background uh, for me, I, I'm I'm very much around people, so I, I love listening to people's stories and understanding their you know their backgrounds, their makeup, and what what you know what drives them. And I think my background really does drive me. It's no different. You know, I grew up in Northwest London. Um, uh, you know, the end of the Central Line. Um, so for all the uh, all the people that, that come out of London, you know, I'm at the the South Wycliffe, West Wycliffe end of the Central Line. Um, and, and I come from, you know, like I say, quite a humble background. You know, we, we, we grew up in a council house, me and my sister, with my mum with my and dad. My dad's a milkman, so he was a milkman for 42 years, really working class. And, you know, that really gave me that kind of that work ethic and that grounding. Um, you know, I worked a couple of paper rounds and a milk round myself when I was a kid to get the pocket money. And I was always, I always kind of had them core values that, you know, you have to work for, for what you want. If you want to achieve something, you need to, you need to work hard for it. Um, and I was just saying to you uh, off air before, you know, I've never met a successful person that hasn't had a really strong work ethic running through their, um, you know, their, their, their behaviours or their or, or their skill set. Um, and for, for me, we didn't have a bad childhood. Uh, you know, my parents provided what, what they could. But, um, you know, I was a kid that went to school with secondhand trainers on or, or high tech trainers when everyone else was wearing like Nike and Reebok. I, I had the I had the, you know, the, um, you know, the Woolworths version of the trainers or whatever it might be. For those of you old enough to remember Woolworths, of course. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we got by and we, we had a, we had a good childhood. But for me, it was uh, it was, uh, you know, you, you worked hard for, for what you wanted to achieve. Yeah, that, uh, that point about work ethic is so true. You know, I, I did my time uh, during university working in bars and restaurants. And, it, it, you know, frankly, it wasn't my dream job at the time. But, you know, the, the experience of going through that and just learning what it is to be disciplined and uh, do the hard yards and no matter what the job is, do it to the best of your ability. I think it's I, I, that completely resonates with me, Lee. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I think, you know, when, when you look at life in general and people that are, you know, coming through, um, you know, lots of change, especially in 2020, for example, you know, the, the, the year that, you know, the, the, the planet has had. Um, but when, when you look back at the, the core values are actually what, what, what makes us up or is, is our makeup. And, and I think from probably thinking it through, just talking to you now, um, you know, it, it really does, has driven my career, actually, you know, for, for the for where I actually now uh, operate and the businesses that I run are specific around behaviours and competencies around people. And, and actually, I probably didn't realise at the time that that was driving me when, when, when I was building my career. Is that an epiphany? Did you just have a live epiphany on my podcast? Just, yeah, this is it's the coffee. Maybe I've had too much coffee. <laughs> I feel so. I feel so proud. Uh, so you, you, you know, you built, uh, you built on those, um, those strong values of work ethic and uh, and capital. Built a thirty million dollar uh, or pound business, I suppose, doing really well in your own right. And then the apprentice happened. Tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had a fantastic job, a brilliant career at Capita. Um, like you mentioned, you know, I, I built a business that was turning over 32 million quid, about 30 staff working for the business. I could walk into the company, oh, yeah, Lee's here, and yeah, you know, and, and we were doing well. We were having fun. We were a serious business, of course, and we were making some really good money and, and, and dealing with some excellent clients, but we was having fun along the way, and I think that's really important. And then one day, and this is this is a true story, one day I, I walked in, and on my desk there was a, a, there was a, a, a Post-it note saying, fill this out. And it was an application form for the apprentice, and I was like, "Really?" And, and again, Craig, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't, I watched a couple of the apprentices because I was a fan, but I never really thought that I would go on it. But um, one of my team, Steve, printed it out, and, and I was like, "Okay, I'll fill it out." So I filled out the application form for the apprentice, and generally, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, "Yeah, we'll give it a go. Why not? What, what have you got to lose?" Um, and they come back. They come back to me um, about a week later to say, we want to see you for an interview. And all of a sudden, it started to get a bit real. And you think, wow, um, do I actually want to leave Capita? I've got a fantastic job. You know, I was earning lots of money. I didn't need to kind of go on anything other than a challenge. And again, I, I think that's probably a really good, another good milestone is that if you continue to challenge yourself, if you continue to kind of um, really think, you know, what's possible, what can I go and achieve? Then you start to really achieve, and you know. So I thought, why not? Yeah, let's let's see if I can break through the ceiling and and uh, see if I can get on. So, what what lots of people probably don't realise is you have a huge amount of interviews before you go on to the apprentice. So I had seven, um, and the best part With is twenty thousand applicants, right? Twenty thousand applicants for the show, something like that. Spot on. I don't know how many they get now. They probably get more now because we're, we're going back a few years. Unfortunately, showing my age, but. Now, this is 2008, right? So this is a, a long time ago. It was Series 4. Um, so the series started on BBC Two. It done two series on BBC Two, uh, where Tim Campbell and Michelle um, Dewey won, uh, respective. And then they got onto Series 3, where Simon Ambrose won, and then Series 4. That, they were both on BBC One. So we were kind of joining the, the I suppose, the production or the, the actual show at a time where it was on the up. Obviously, I you know, you know clearly my series made it go explode. That, that's what I keep telling myself. Um, but we'd, we'd had all the, the the interviews, and it was my um, it was my uh, one of my major birthdays, my thirtieth birthday. And uh, me and my uh, my girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife. We, we went to Kenya on safari. And do you remember the old blackberries? Um, you know, proper old blackberries with the rollerball. Yeah. So I had one of them. 
and it rang. Was in the uh, this is a true story again. We, we was in the middle of a safari, so we we're spotting lions and whatever. And um, my phone, my BlackBerry rang. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I've got signal out here." P- answered the call, and it was uh, the, the production team for The Apprentice, and we'd like you have to, to to have you on the show. You know, you've made it to the top sixteen. If you if you'd want to come on, and it was it was a mad day, a phenomenal day. You know, everything going on. Turning thirty is a big landmark anyway, and then to get the call to say that we want you on. I thought, wow, you know, I've got to accept the challenge and, and, and go on the show. Well, for those of uh, you who may be watching or listening from outside the UK, the BB, uh, the uh, Apprentice show is a BBC show. I think it was BBC in those days uh, as well. Yeah, a uh, big show, sort of, sort of a, um, I, I suppose, a elongated and slightly tortuous recruitment exercise or series of interviews that leads to a winner, uh, which of course in two thousand eight was you, Lee. Uh, and and, uh, and that comes with a grant. I think it was £100,000 back then and the opportunity to work with Lord Sugar, Alan Sugar. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you, of course, won. I remember watching it, by the way. I remember oh, watching it. I was in the UK and I was learning things from you back then about, God, this guy's, you know, he's really, he's really confident and, uh, and sparky and, you know, so much energy and... Uh, uh, a deserved winner, and, and that took you into Amscreen uh, and yeah. opportunity to work with Lord Sugar. How was that? I, it, it was phenomenal, and uh, you know, just just touch on the point you just mentioned there. It's interesting you said about you know I come across so confident because there's sometimes it, it's okay to kind of question yourself. I question myself a lot. You know, I, I walked into a room in, in the in, in the house actually in the top sixteen, and there's people that are barristers. They've got business masters. They've got degree. You know, they're, they're very very intelligent, brilliant people. And I've walked in with like a couple of GCSEs, and you know the work the working background is probably one of the reasons why. Or chosen to be fair um and and, and sometimes I, I look at that and think you know should i be here am i good enough to be here but you know so it's really interesting to hear you say that you know i come across confident because actually it, it's okay still to question yourself be nervous sometimes about doing certain things because actually for me that's what keeps you sharp that's that's what keeps you on your game if, if that makes sense so so my first day um famously i, I called in sick i mean you couldn't make this up um, but I, I actually got food poisoning and I couldn't make the actual first day. And there was paparazzi outside um, the uh, the building where I was meant to be going to work. And obviously I didn't turn up. So they were like speculating where I am. Um, but, you know, it, it was sorted with Lord Sugar. So it's not not a major problem. Um, and uh, I, I went into the boardroom when we, when we finally started work. I went into the boardroom and, and um, Lord Sugar said, this is uh, this is Simon Sugar. Um, which is obviously Lord Sugar's son. He said, you're going to be starting a business called Amscreen from scratch. What a phenomenal opportunity. Um, sorry about that. Uh, what a phenomenal opportunity to be able to go into, uh, you know, uh, work alongside Lord Sugar, arguably the, the UK's best entrepreneur over the last kind of 40, 50 years, and then work with his son and set up a business from scratch um, and get paid uh, you know, a lot of money doing it. It, it was a ph- phenomenal experience, Craig. And that was the end of Capital, the start of uh, Amscreen, and, and obviously, Quite a lot of notoriety uh, that, that came with it. Yeah, um, but that, sure. that, that took you on to bigger and better things. Your your career has only uh, progressed since then. You've now got three businesses of your own. Uh, tell us about the journey and what caused you to flip and, and take that next step. Yeah, um, it was probably one of the toughest decisions. We'd spent a lot of um, we'd spent a lot of time 
building the Amscreen business from scratch. Uh, within seven months, we signed a deal with BP, um, uh, which was a huge, huge deal for us because you know the whole digital signage business was about not only selling the advertising, the marketing side of, of the business, but also to be able to um, you know make sure that we had the the stores or the places that we could actually put the screens in the first place to get the footfall. So you know, I'd never worked in digital media and digital signage before. So to learn all of that whilst you know, operating and setting a business up was was phenomenal. Um, so it was a you know for for best just under three years, so best part of two and a half years or so, we, we built that company, which is still going, and, and they're doing brilliantly. But for me, Craig, my passion is people. My passion was and still is recruitment. It is about you know developing people, understanding who they are. I've got fascination with psychology around business psychology and how people interact. So for me, it, I was always going to go and set my own company up. Um, albeit it was quite quite late in terms of you know I was I was in my thirties now at this point, but you know I always wanted to do it and be my own boss. So uh, nine and a half years ago, I set up a, a business called Raw Talent, which basically was a bit of a disruptor. Um, the business focuses on uh, entry level uh, um, early careers, um, and you know at the time the market was very rich around graduates. So it was it, you know you if, if I said to you or any of the the, the viewers graduate recruitment, you'd immediately know what I mean. But, but what that meant was that businesses and organizations around the world were still hiring people based on a, a, a you know, a, a, a 2-2 or a 2-1 or, or a degree. And, and actually, I felt that, being, being my background, I felt that there's, there's a huge amount of people that can offer something phenomenal that haven't got a degree or haven't got that educational background. And it also coincided at the time with apprenticeships becoming a little bit more can I use the word sexy rather than kind of, you know, oh, if you do an apprenticeship, it's kind of, a, you know, a low level kind of woodwork job when, when, when actually, um, you know, apprenticeships now can be done in, in, in a, you know, hundreds of ranges of different sectors. So what we did is we ripped up the CV, Craig, and we said to our clients and we said to people, look, we're not going to be hiring based on CV. We're going to be hiring based on behaviors and competencies. And what we did is we created a recruitment business that was different. And it was different because we didn't hire based on that piece of paper. We hired based on you. And we got key competencies, key behaviors, understanding who you Indian individuals are. And then we'd run giant assessment centers that would allow them, uh, uh, enable our clients to see the real people that they were hiring. That, that was the premise of, of, of raw talent. Um, and, and I, I suppose that spins into the, the business, the, the SaaS business now that I'm, I'm, I'm currently running. We're building now called Phoenix 51. And that, that business is uh, is about to go for a rebrand, like literally next week. Um, and what what we did is because we're assessing and because we're working with um, uh, uh, global uh, companies. So the, the, the raw talent business has taken us all over the world, Singapore to Los Angeles to Texas to you know mainland Europe. But all of the assessment that we were doing, all the data, all the brilliant analytics that we're they're bringing in, we couldn't reuse because it's all paper based. So about three years ago, I decided to stupidly or brilliantly, I suppose everybody will make their own mind up, but I, I invested about a quarter of a million pound into uh, building our own digital platform that digitalizes the people assessment process. So um, to put that into context, observing, watching, seeing, writing things down and, and, and scoring is majority of the time done on pen and paper in a uh, traditional method. We've digitalized all of that process. So now um, when you're interviewing somebody one-to-one -one, or when you're, um, when you're running a people assessment or group assessment, you can now do that digitally and use that rich data 
all that analytics to be able to make better considered decisions. And that's ultimately what our SaaS platform does now. You, you open a really interesting um, discussion here, I, I guess, around the whole concept of qualifications. I mean, what are they and what makes a candidate suitable, suitable to do a job? I do a lot of recruiting uh, myself at Google. Yeah. And, you know, certainly my experience is, is that the University of Life is, is the very big and understanding somebody's background, uh, the experiences, the challenges that they've been through, that they've set themselves, perhaps, um, you know, give me somebody who's been sculpted by the contour of a really hard life, um, but shown the persistence to, to get there any day of the week. You know, that's not something that you can learn in the classroom. And I don't mean to diminish the, uh, the, the value of university qualifications. I have one myself, but it's certainly not the be-all and end-all anymore, is it? And you, you, talk, you talk a lot about, you know, there's a real thesis underneath your businesses, which is what is the qualification? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, ab absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and I think that, again, you know, I'm not being uh, detrimental either to education. I, I didn't have a good one, and that's probably one of my biggest regrets. Again, I talked right at the beginning uh, of, uh, of our meeting around um, what drives individuals and what drives me. And, you know, my dad being working class and, you know, growing up in a couch house drives me. But also that driver underneath me, what lights lights me up is to to try and understand people, get the best out of individuals. You know, we 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 often in the in the world, we're so busy, there's so much little time. We need, you know, 26, 27 hours in a day rather than the 24, the measly 24 that we get. Um, you know, we need more time. And, and actually, sometimes we just we just carry on doing what we've always done, um, you know, hiring from a piece of paper, looking at the, you know, uh, uh, unqualified interviews. And, and for me, that just is crazy. Craig, if you think about it, people are the most important asset in anybody's business, whether or not you're a startup individual, a startup company, and you're going to scale up, or you're a multi, multi um, a billion dollar organization like Google, you know, if you don't have good people in your business, you don't really have a business. And and, and then, so so why would we leave that hiring decisions and then their personalities and their behaviors and understanding the real essence of that individual coming in? Do they fit culturally? Do they fit with the, the values of the organization? Why would we not probe that? Why wouldn't we understand that? So do you understand what I mean? So for, for, for me, and I'm getting a little bit on my soapbox a bit, but you know, it's, it's hugely passionate to me because I, I can't understand why we wouldn't do that, that level of due diligence before hiring or before promoting. You know, I've, I've seen over the last kind of 20 years of recruitment uh, in recruitment, you see a lot of things. But you know, certainly over the last ten years since I started Raw Talent and been on this this kind of this journey, this people journey, I've seen a lot of um, companies around the world that will will still use a gut feel to to hire, and and that's great. What what we're trying to do is just wrap some science around that as well to say, look, make your decisions, but you know, have you considered this as well? Yeah, I totally agree, and you know, talent is. Talent is evenly spread amongst humanity. Uh, opportunity isn't, and um, you know you've got to tap into that talent. And, and uh, your businesses, Phoenix uh, and Raw Talent Agency. I think you said Phoenix Fifty One, right? I'll link them below anyway. Um, yeah, great sure. Just, it's, it's going for a rebrand, so <laughs> fantastic. I'll leave you with the last word, Lee. Um, 
my son, 18 years old, Jake, he's going from school to university as a, a generation of others, I think 500,000 in the UK alone. Um, others are perhaps at a, a turning point in their career, either voluntary or otherwise. What advice do you have for them? So it's a brilliant question. I mean, d depending on Jake and the other 500,000 people that are going through uh, exactly what he's doing, um, depending on what they want to do and what they want to achieve. I personally, uh, you know, I, I missed out on university and, and I think that, you know, I will definitely be, um, uh, you know, my, my, I've got three girls, I spoke to you earlier, but I've got three, three daughters um, and they're not going to university yet, but I've got them years to come. So I'm looking forward to that a little bit. Um, I, I, my, my advice would be to, um, to follow what you want to do. You know, it's really important. The amount of people that I've, uh, we've replaced or we've placed through, through Royal Talent Academy that have come out of university with a law degree and we say, why, why aren't you going for, for, for a role in law? Oh, I didn't really want to do it. My parents just told me to do it. And it's kind of like, you know, what, what is it that you really want to do? You know, go, go after a degree or go after the, the learning and the education or the work experience that really that is really going to resonate with the career that you want to have. And I appreciate as an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old or people that are graduating, you, you don't really know what you want to do. But, you know, to have some sort of a plan, to actually map out, this is an, uh, an older man now talking rather than kind of my, from a professional perspective, but time goes so fast. If you can have some sort of plan as to this is where you want to be and this is what, how you want to live your life, go, go live it. Because you know, a good friend of mine, Jason Vow, will say, if we're lucky, this is a 90-year holiday, you've got to enjoy the holiday whilst you're here and you know, follow where you want to go and, and, and make it happen. 90-year holiday, that's a great note to end on. I love that. I love that metaphor. Uh, Lee McQueen, you're an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Craig. Appreciate it.